This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. My name's Anthony. And I'm Jessica. And this week, uh, we're continuing our series on, uh, basically on Disney movies that we kind of slept on. Um, Last week, we talked about Big Hero 6, and you had mentioned in the podcast that this week we would be jumping into a, a much older film. And uh, what, what, what movie are we jumping into? So today we're going to be taking a closer look at the 1985 Disney film, The Black Cauldron. So we weren't even like born when this movie came out. But um, we just finished watching it um, and we're basically going to give you some thoughts. Um, before, before we um, jump into the actual like, plot of the movie... What made you want to choose this particular movie? Because when we were talking about Disney movies or films that people really have not paid attention to, this was a film that I immediately thought of because the princess in this film, like, it's even a meme where, like, other places, like, Anastasia's a fox princess, and people will be like, people think I'm a Disney princess, and they have all these princesses that are not Disney that people think are, and then the princess from this film is at the bottom, like, but no one remembers me. Yeah. So. Um, this Okay, so, as we said, this movie came out in 85. Um, I don't know where Disney was as a company in 85. I mean, obviously, they were uh, a successful company because they're, they're still around today. Um, but, yeah. So, let's jump into the movie. Can, would you mind giving a brief synopsis of the film? So the Black Cauldron is this Black Cauldron. And um, inside of it, it holds this malevolent spirit, like a being um, that's trapped inside the cauldron. And there is another, like the main bad guy of the film... He is the Horned Lord. He is like the master of darkness. His Horned King. Horned King. He wants to raise up an undead army. So in order to do that, he needs to find the location of the Black Cauldron. And there is this older gentleman who is a pig farmer with his assistant. And the little pig is able to see the future like it has visions and stuff so the um the horned king finds out about this he's like i must have this pig and then along the way they meet a um a cast of interesting characters that all comes together to try and overthrow this dark lord yeah um it's a little bit of a Harry Potter vibe there. Yeah. <laughs> and, got and magical again, not, swords going on. and Because this movie came out 30, what, 35 years ago? Um, excuse us, animal. Sorry, our cat was literally, like, on the laptop. Hold on. The cat just jumped up on the table like, hey, can, you know, can I be a part of the magic as well? 
Um, basically, because this movie came out 35 years ago, uh, roughly, we're not going to worry too much about spoilers, so if you have not seen it, this is our spoiler um, right here. Like Our spoiler alert. If yes. you do not want to have any spoilers, please pause this podcast, go watch The Black Cauldron, and come back. Yeah, it's on Disney+, Plus, just like most Disney uh, properties, so... Uh, there's that. Um, what are your initial thoughts of the movie after we finally got a chance to sit down and watch it? He can tell you that my favorite part is really toward the end. They're kind of bargaining over the cauldron and the sword and this the life of this little creature. And uh, We'll get into that. <laughs> the, the bard says... Pull yourself together, madam. And I, like, lost it. Like, we had to go back. I had to listen to it again. Like, so, so that needs to be a meme. Please, please, please. Pull yourself together, madam. It was the best part of the whole film for me. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, the bad guy, the Horned King, was probably my favorite because... Maybe not... I don't know. Maybe not my favorite character, but definitely, like... He was actually a bad guy who, you know, when they went... He it, looked the part. Like, he, he was he skeletally thin. Like, he, he was... I think he was. He He's had, like... a skeleton. Well, he had, like... He was, like, a skeleton, but he had, like, slight flesh over it. He had, like, these eyes that would change colors and become red sometimes. Yeah. He was creepy. Like, we do not recommend this film if you have small, small children. No. I mean... Yeah, definitely, you know, below the age of around five, I would say no. Um, but you know your kids. If, if you think they can handle it, cool. You know, you're a parent. You know what to do. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like, you know, because a lot of these movies, in my opinion, they build up the bad guy and they're like, oh, he's the, you know, sc- you know scariest creature in all the land and whatever. And you kind of watch the movie going, eh, okay. This one was legit, like, okay, I understand why people in this movie would be scared of this bad guy. I wouldn't want to be on this bad guy's side, uh, on this bad guy's bad side, to say. Um, yeah, uh, what, well, who's your favorite character, though? Um, gosh, that's hard. Of course, I like the princess, but her name is really hard to say. Do you have the cast list up? Yes, I do. Her name is right there. Okay. Elwyn? Elwyn-y? Elwyn-y? Yeah, I think is how you say it. It's... That was honestly one of the main things about this film that I was like, I did not like this. Because each and every character had a really distinctive, so, very difficult name to remember. Yeah, I'm going to go through some of the names, uh, and we're going to kind of give a brief idea of, like, of who that character is. So you have the main character, Tarin, T-A-R-A-N. Um, basically, he's a young boy, um, what, what was it, 14, somewhere in that range? 13, yeah, he's 14. definitely like, okay, I've um, just hit my teenage years. He's the apprentice to... He is the um, assistant pig farmer. You. Assistant to... The pig farmer. Um, <laughs> pig farmer's name was Dalibin. D-A-L-I-B-E-N. That's normal. Um, well, it has kind of 
like a medieval slash ancient and, times and, vibe to it. And this movie's very medieval ancient times esque. And so if you're into that, that's cool. Because you've got knights and swords and armor and and there's a battle going on. So. Yeah. Uh, so you have the the apprentice apprentice assistant to the pig farmer. Um, uh, named Tarin, I think is how they pronounce it. Yes. Um, he, he, he goes through the first half of the movie, uh, or first portion of the movie, basically just saying how brave he is and calling himself like a fearless leader and different things like that. He thinks of himself as a warrior. Like, yeah. that's how he wants to see himself coming out of this conflict. And that's, and this is before even the conflict started. He was, you know, I'm a warrior, no one's, you know, I'm not afraid of anything. Um, and he even mentions the, the Horn King, um, which kind of, you know, means that, this, you know, he's actually a living legend. Like, he's, you know, he has a reputation throughout the land. Um, now you have Eloise, is how I'm assuming it's pronounced. That's the princess. She calls herself a princess, but you said there was a portion or a part in the movie where somebody else refers to her as something else. Yeah, there is a moment in time where I believe the Horn King has them all kind of strung up by their wrists like they're imprisoned there and he calls her a scullery maid. So, Do we know just, what a scullery is? A scullery maid is going to be the like lowest of the low on the totem pole of like cleaning the castle the person who's gonna stoke the fireplaces and and clean all of the sooty areas and just do the really heavy dirty gritty work and i, and I want you guys to realize she had that information on top of her head there was no research beforehand you know so, okay so doubt and abby is my favorite show and daisy is like the scullery made for that so, yeah, I did have the information for what a scullery maid does, like, just chilling up there. Um, okay, so you anyway, had... moving da on. You have Dalavin, who, like we said, is the um, he is pig the farmer. He is the pig farmer. Then you have... Oh, this one's fun. Uh, Flutiver? Okay. We're just going to call him the bard, or the minstrel character. Yeah, dude spells his name F-F-L-E-W-D-D. -D. You are. You need to learn how to spell. Uh, well, I feel like it's supposed to anticipate, like, again, maybe like a Welsh spelling of things. Where, like, how brave is supposed to be Scotland and there's Merida there. Perhaps this is taking place in another time. Yeah, we, we, it didn't really say. Uh, then you have King Edling. E I D I. I-L-L-E-G. I'm assuming that's the Horn King, but I don't remember them really using his well, actual Well, no, I thought that was the little fairy king, like the sprite oh, guy. Oh, you're correct. That that very well could be. I, um, that was right around the time that I lost a little bit of focus. He had to go take a nap. Let's be 100. Yeah, I got to the point where I was just, I was getting tired. A lot going, you know, I, yeah. I'm used to sleeping during the day, but I'm also very stubborn. I don't like taking naps. So, anyway, we're going to segue away from that. Back then to the movie. Then we have Gurgi. Gurgi. Let, let's talk about Gurgi first. Gurgi. Oh my goodness. We're not sure what Gurgi is. He is just Gurgi. He's like this little woodland animal. So, he walks on two <laughs> legs. 
and but he kind of looks like the dog from the little mermaid he does um and he kind of talks like Gollum with a little <laughs> bit of a... Uh, he's got a little bit of Dobby going on, definitely. A little bit too. of, yeah, Gollum and Dobby. Just... I don't know. He, he uses words very strangely. He was probably my... I want to say my favorite character as far as just this is random. Um, because it really is. Like, so you have... He uses time. phrases like munchy lunchy. Instead of apple, he says munchy crunchy or munchy lunchy or whatever it was. Um, and that's where he gets his, like, I would say that's very um, Gollum-esque, right? Like, not that I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but I've seen them. Um, so basically, he, he meets the main character, Tarin, um, because Tarin is trying to find the pig he was transporting the pig to safety and he lost him and um he Tyrion is kind of waving around an apple hoping to get the pig's attention and he gets Gurgi's attention because this thing wants um the apple and basically attacks the boy void but kind of in a friendly way which is interesting um, well, and at the closer to the end of the film, we do see that Gurgi feels like he just doesn't have any friends. So and, um, sad day that that plays into his. Anyway, we'll we'll get into that in a moment. Um, and then you have the fairy folk um, who don't look like your traditional fairies, which I liked. I I love the fact that hey. We're going to have these fairies, but they're not what they normally look like in animated movies. Because when you think of a fairy, you think of an ethereal creature. You think of like this Tinkerbell-esque kind of like very young, very pretty. Um, the one we meet is fat and looks like Santa. Yeah, he, he is. He's like dressed up in a red outfit with white trim, literally. Um, and then the, the fairy that Had helps the them. And everything. He's like a grandpa fairy. Uh, yeah, so, let's kind of go, I don't want to go through the whole plot, because you already kind of did that, but, um, what could we, what else could we say about this movie? Like, what, what else is there to really... Oh, there's the three witches. We didn't talk about them, and they do come up periodically throughout the plot, as far as, like, they, um, they know where the Black Cauldron is, they have it in their arsenal of stuff... There's some bartering going on. The minstrel and one of the witches, like, she has this big crush on him. And it's like, oh, it's totally awkward. Yeah, and and that's where the, the her favorite line of pull yourself together, madam. Basically, this woman, this witch is kind of hitting on him in the middle of a, a bartering there, session. It's not kind of hitting no, on she him. This is like hardcore flirting. Like, this is as, uh, as flirty as you can get in a Disney movie. She literally says, like, I like a man who takes charge or something like that. Yeah, and he was like, pull yourself together, madam. Um, basically, oh, like, <laughs> and, and here's what's funny. There's another parallel uh, between, so... As I was watching this movie, I was finding connections uh, to other Disney movies. And I know none of these are intentional. Um, so, like, the three witches, even the way they look, 
they look like the three witches in Hercules. And the funny thing is, as soon as we finished watching The Black Cauldron, how it gives you like, oh, because you watched this, like here's a re- recommendation for what you might want to watch next. Hercules was the thing that came up and we're like, yeah. all right, so we got then, like the sorry. three witches, as you were saying. Well, we have the three witches and we have Gurgi who reminds me of another Disney character. I just don't remember which one. Like, I really have to like When you were saying that, that um, the little... The little green guy, he was like pain and panic from Okay, Hercules. yeah. So the Horned King has his little um Minion. Minion, for lack of a better term. I don't even remember. Oh, Creeper. Yeah. His name was Creeper. Creeper. Um basically he looks like a troll. Uh with kind of a hood on. Like I don't know what those hoods are called. A cowl, uh, I think. A cowl. We'll go with that. Um and basically his whole thing is Whatever the um, Horned King wants, he does it. Usually he fails because it's, it's a Disney movie and you gotta have that. Um, but when he messes something up, he kind of gets strangled by um, the Horned King. And it reminded me a lot, like the way he was constantly scared of um, this, this physical harm and him being punished for something. Um, it really felt a lot like um, pain and panic from uh, Hercules as well. So you have that. Um, so a little bit of trivia into our relationship, sort of like a, a little gem, an Easter egg, if you will, for all of you listeners out there. So when, when you're out in bars and people <laughs> give you trivia night, there's, none of this is going to make sense. When Anthony and I, like when we were reconnecting again, he and I discovered, like, okay, we're, like, uber Disney fans. Like, Disney nerds. And he out-Disneyed me. Would you like, would you care to share? Yeah, so I was at my, I was living at my parents' house at the time. Um, I was kind of in between uh, living situations. And I'm not going to lie, my life was not in a great place. But that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Um, I was at home watching yeah I was just that happened to be on Netflix or something I was watching uh, Hercules she didn't know that her and I were texting as I was watching it I texted the line um, if I remember correctly it was indoor plumbing it's gonna be big yes um, which is said by one of the witches within the movie Hercules and it's one of my favorite lines. It's just a random call of like, we're predicting the future because that's what we do. Hey, by the way, one day indoor plumbing is going to be a thing. I sent her that line and I said, guess the movie. And she I shot what? Could... I think you shot five opportunities. Oh, yeah. I could not get it. She couldn't Dude. figure it out. And finally, I was like, hey. And she goes, well, just tell me. And I'm like, it's Hercules. It said during this point in time. And of course I confessed. I was like, look, I'm actually watching the movie right now. So it's not like I just pulled this out of the air. But it's in my eyes, it's not that... It's, it's, a, it's, it's an easy line to pull out of the air because it was a memorable one. So I went to work the next day and I was talking to my coworkers at the time. And I was like, he out-Disneyed me. I don't know whether to like be turned on or offended or both. Like, what is going on? So Hercules, remember, these, like, 
has a very special place in our relationship. But I feel like Tangled is really more the movie that we bonded over. Us, but yeah. anyway. So, and it's one of those things where when you went and told your coworkers, you already had such an established relationship with them that when they told you or when you told them this, it was very much like they, they were like, wow, thoroughly impressed. Like if I went to work and I said you out, you know, you you uh, gave me wrestling trivia, nobody would care. Yeah. Right? Because I don't, but I don't bond with the people I work with like that, but you had have this like sisterly bond with these people. We literally have a Facebook like chat group that we created because we're all kind of scattered to the wind now, working different lo- work in different jobs, living in different places. And I still, like, this was my core group of library gals when I was first really getting started in my career. And we're just still, like, I will text them and be like, hey, so did you hear about this? Or, like, how's your aunt? Or, like, all these things. Like, we're just we're just good friends. Anyway. Yeah. So I out-Disneyed her, and that was the beginning of our relationship. Um... I wouldn't even say I'm a Disney nerd. I just enjoy the movies. I just really... And I like to learn some of the background of of Disney. And, you know, kind of what the company's about. Or who Walt Disney was. And uh, how the movies are made. I love that kind of stuff. Well, so, And we joke with people, like, before we got married. Like, the reason we're getting married is so we can sit and watch TV together. It's, <laughs> and it's to be honest with true. you, we've been married a year and three months? Two months-ish? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we, we hold pretty true to, yeah, we come home, we eat dinner, we literally watch either a movie or a TV together, and that's what we do. We have a list of, like, these are the movies we're going to watch. It'll um, be a year and a half in September, if that helps. A year and a half in September. Y'all can do the math. <laughs> so, jumping back into this movie, uh, usually we try to, um gather an understanding is this a movie that you could like watch and learn from and take life lessons or is this just purely for entertainment both of which are okay um where do you think this lands so my thing with it was as we were thinking about like okay what could we learn from this i thought about the importance of like how you think about yourself and how other people view you because we see taran's character especially like in the very beginning he sees himself as like i'm gonna go i'm gonna be this really great warrior like he has this fantasy in his mind of like this is how i see myself playing out during this scenario and then when he's actually in this situation like people repeatedly keep calling him pig boy so (laughs) and here's my thing right it reminds me so much of adolescence. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much of my adolescence, but I do remember like a lot of my friends, a lot of the people that I knew. You're very much, you're very just, you know, wide-eyed. You know, like I'm gonna make something of myself. I'm gonna be a big time something star athlete whatever it may be as you get older you start to you start to realize that like what's important and what's valuable and things kind of change and you do see that a little bit within this character where he's just like i'm gonna be the best warrior anyone has ever seen i'm gonna destroy uh the the 
uh, horned king or whatever. Like, I'm going after this dream. Um, and because he's just basically like, I want more out of life than what I already have. And um, by the end of the movie, I'm not saying he loses that identity. But he learns a valuable lesson because at the end of the movie, you have... Um, so the black cauldron the actual cauldron itself was studying you know was being used by the horned king um to kind of resurrect the dead so he could have his army uh in order to stop that gogi jumps into the black cauldron which kind of destroyed its magic i'm not sure how that happened uh but basically gogi is dead um now at the end toward the end of the movie they have the black cauldron the witches are like, oh, we'll take this off your hands. They decide to do a trade. Um, and they're like, they look at the witches and they say, well, what's your, uh, you know, what's your offer? They offer him up this sword that he uses throughout the movie. It's like this magic sword. Um, and basically he says, you know what? I'm not a warrior. I'm a pig farmer. I don't need a sword. I don't think he's lost his identity um, but I do think, you know, at this time, they they really wanted Gogi back, right? Mm -hmm. So they wanted Gogi back. He was willing to give up that, that sword and possibly that identity as a warrior so that he could finally have his friend back. In my head, I went to, I'm bringing Gogi back. <laughs> anyway. Wow. I what know, right? very... Very random and off the wall. So that whole thing of like thinking about how other people, like the names that they call you, how that can influence you. It made me think of the live action version of Cinderella, which the trailer is on Disney+. Plus. Um, I think September 1st is when it's going to actually be on Disney+. Plus. But anyway, during the trailer, you're able, you're able to see that Cinderella's stepsisters are mocking her and making fun of her and she just gets to this point where she's just had enough and she's out in the woods and of course she meets the prince and he's like, well, what what, what did they call you? And she's like, does it matter what they call me? I mean, he's looking for just a name. What is your name? But the way he phrased the question, what do they call you? Um, she's like, it doesn't matter. Um, cause she, she, I mean, if you, you, if you know the story, she's verbally and probably physically abused by her, her step family. Um, yeah. So with that being said, yes, the, the words that people use against you when you hear them enough, um, they can break you down, right? They can just knock you out. They can knock you on your butt. Um, how do we, how do we handle that? Well, it's honestly just having a support system of people who are going to build you up, who are going to be like, no, like, don't listen to those other people who are making fun of you. Like, know that you're smart, know that you're talented, know that you're capable, like whatever it is that you're struggling with, there's people out there who care about you. And, um, even as adults, yeah. I feel like we still might struggle with like uh, he was yeah. saying how we were treated in our adolescence. Well, and I think we we tend to let history repeat itself. If we have family members who are physically, you know, physically, mentally or emotionally abusive, 
we tend to gravitate toward the people who do the same thing mm -hmm. later on in our adult life. Um, but that's getting really dark for a Disney film. So This film was actually what we thought was really, really dark, dark for a Disney film. Uh, but I liked it because of that, right? Like, I don't mind darkness as long as it kind of comes together in the end. Um, and I love the fact that you were talking about, you know, when you, when you have... Um, this kind of abuse in your life you need a, a team of people to come by your side and speak positively to you and, but, for, and they have that in this mm -hmm. movie because for Tarin like he had Gurky he had the pig farmer he had the princess he had the minstrel like he had an entire team of people to be like no like we believe in you like we know you can do this and at the end of the movie we don't know where they all go, meaning... They, I thought they went back to see the pig farmer. Yeah, remember, they, they like, were on their was... way back. But what I'm saying is, like, the princess doesn't live with the pig farmer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the, the, we don't know if she's going to get returned back home yeah, or, like, like what's going on. And then on. the older dude, um, Flua, whatever his name is, he doesn't live with the pig farmer. So are they just... Gurgi, I'm assuming, is going to stick with Taren, so he's going to go with the pig farmer. The other two have, have homes, I would assume. Well, the minstrel is saying, like, hey, I was just passing through. I'm going to a different court. So he's probably just going to make his way, singing his way to a different kingdom to entertain people. Yeah, so it, it's very possible. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to wonder where this princess is going because I'm like, you can't just latch onto this boy and just live with the big fun. I mean, I guess you could, you know. Well, and there's also not a sequel to The Black Cauldron, so, I mean, the ending is kind of up to you at that point. I mean, you could get on some fan fiction and be like, all right, here's what happens to the princess, I you would know? be careful with that. They're both minors. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but, yeah, I feel like that was my biggest thing. I was like, where does she belong? So you, know? you wanted it to be wrapped up in more of a neat little bow of like, okay, we're going to return her to her kingdom. No, I'm okay with the way they wrapped it up. It's just in my mind, I'm like, does she have a home? She never mentions a home. Yeah, yeah, she did. She, she was did? like, okay. She was like, yeah, the Horn King, he took me from my home because he thought my magical orb could tell him where the cauldron was. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, once they got through this whole thing, I guess I would have imagined at least a quick line of like, okay, I, I better go home. You know, no, they're, they're just like, Taryn basically says, hey guys, let's go home. Like, they're all going to the same place. So maybe they do. Maybe they all just live with the pig farmer and they all become pig farmer assistants. And, <laughs> and keep in mind, one there's one pig, by the way. A one single pig. pig, a goat, and... A flock of geese. A flock of geese. Like, this dude does not have a whole lot to take care of. For some reason, he needs an assistant to the pig farmer. Should I explain why I keep saying assistant too? I know you want to. Go ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's an office reference. Um, basically, Dwight is kind of a kiss up. And, you know, wants the boss to like him. He is a little delusional. So, the boss kind of makes him assistant to the regional manager, who's the boss. Uh, but he keeps thinking of himself as the assistant regional manager, and so they constantly have to remind him he's assistant to the regional. You know, it's a stu stupid joke, but it it's fantastic within the show. 
So that's why I kept saying that. Anyway, uh, all in all, I actually did enjoy this movie. I thought it was... It was definitely a Disney movie. I love the animation because it is that older animation of pen, paper, just old school animation. There's a little bit of computer graphics in there. Well, we, were, um, we were talking about the fact with the princess's hair, like it's just kind of this blob. Whereas like we're really spoiled with Elsa and um, yeah, Rapunzel from like, Tangled. You, you, like you see every you see bit every strand of, their of hair. hair. In this movie, it's just a form of hair with a few like detail strands because there's like an implication of okay this is her hair on her head yeah i mean but i like that old school animation sometimes i like it better than computer animated um depending on the story honestly that's why i like going back to the older disney movies once in a while um so we may be unpackaging some gems from the disney vault in uh, See, that's as we what I, that's unwrap what I this do. series. That's what I want to do. I don't want to sit there and go, hey, let's talk about um, Hunchback, even though that is my favorite Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be like, hey, let's talk about Aladdin. No, let's go deep and let's do the apple dumpling game. Let's, Whoa, you know, <laughs> that is really like out in left field. It's uh. one of my favorite movies as a kid. So, um, like, let's go old school with this thing. Because... I mean, and let's throw in some some classics, right? Let's do some Aladdin, do Beauty and the mm-hmm. Beast, but well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you under the bus a little bit here. Anthony has never seen the original animated version of Cinderella, so that might be coming up next. So here's why: I'm a boy. I don't watch a lot of Dis- <laughs> I don't watch a lot of princess movies. I watched The Little Mermaid because that was my sister's favorite movie. Um, I loved Beauty and the Beast when I was a kid, but my favorite character is Beast, so there's that. Um, and I have nothing, you know, like, I've tried to watch, um, Alice in Wonderland. Um, I don't hate the movie, but it's I think definitely not my favorite. I think the live-action version of Alice in Wonderland I'm ta- Yeah, but I'm talking about the animated. Like, I know, but I'm saying... Yeah, so, so a lot of those Disney classics that are tailored... For young girls, I purposely did not watch as a kid. Um, so yeah, we can dig into some of those. We can watch some of those. I don't mind. Well, and he can tell you I'm a huge fan of fairy tales, like so much. Yeah, her dream is to live in a cottage in the forest, and, and now we, I know why. We had to laugh about that because the opening scene, you see this tiny little cottage at the edge of a clearing, and he's like, why are they all well, like, does anyone live in a house think in about these? It. Think about it. You have um, Belle lives in a small little cottage, and like, not in a forest, she lives in a small town, but it's in the, like, it's near a forest. You have uh, Avoa. Who ends up living in a small little cottage in the middle of a forest? You have the Black Cauldron. I mean, I mean, Disney definitely had like they're just gonna plop them in the and it's not it's literally the middle of a forest. It's not next to a forest. It's not in a clear area. Like there's no need for home security because like you apparently just don't have neighbors yeah. unless they're woodland so animals. Now I understand why you're like let's just have a full. I am. I'm always like, let's just live in a cottage in the forest. Like, I'm there, man. I'm and there. And I'm for like, it. I need internet. I need <laughs> a little bit of a community. A little bit of a community. Not. I can't have the birds and the bees be the only community that I have because I don't talk to animals too often. I have full long conversations with our cats. Yeah, I'll yell at our cats. That's about the extent of it. 
So, anyway, we are way off course. Um, so we're bringing it back to the Black Cauldron. This little so, script time, maybe? Yeah. So, uh, I always want to know, we always want to hear from you, are there any Disney films that you're like, yes, please watch this, tell me what you think. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to keep doing this. We don't know how long this series is going to last, but we're also going to sprinkle in different stuff throughout, you know, in different episodes. So we're not just going to, every week's going to be a Disney movie, but, um, yeah, let's go ahead and we're going to take a quick break. We're going to jump back in, uh, to Acts chapter, I think 25, correct? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we're getting ready to jump into Acts 25. So hang tight. We'll be right back with you, uh, with the Beautiful Feet podcast. Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This is the section of the podcast where we are going over the book of Acts. Um, so I hope that you guys are reading along with us, that you're actually, um, like I said, studying it with us. So as we discuss, uh, you are also you know, reading it as well. Um, would you mind giving us a brief look into Acts when 25, so 24? Yes, okay. Let me just get this ready here for Acts chapter 24. We see that Paul has been on trial before Felix. So, um, the Jews are there and they're bringing up these accusations against him. So Paul is basically saying, okay, like, you know, here's the facts. I was in Jerusalem. I was there for 12 days. Um, my, he says, starting in verse 11, you can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to worship. I went up to worship to Jerusalem. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Let's back that up and try again. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. So Paul goes on to elaborate that the real crux of the issue, the reason that he is being accused in the first place is because he believes that Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, and that's a theme that we're going to see carry us into Acts chapter 25 as well. But instead of having Paul be on trial before Felix, he is going to be on trial before Festus. And we also see King Agrippa come into play in this chapter as well. So, one thing that you're going to notice is that this is one chapter amongst, because we're getting toward the end of the book, this is one chapter um, where everything is going to connect, right? So we can't just pinpoint one thing throughout this, or this chapter. Um, and just focus on that. We're going to have to look at like this chapter, the previous chapter, and later on we'll be looking at chapters down the line um, to kind of glue everything together. But the fact is that he's, uh, you know, he's appealing um, their choices and kind of moving up that judicial ladder to plead his case with you know, the highest judge that he can get so that, you know, so that he, it can be heard that he's really doing nothing wrong. Well, and you'll remember with, um, 
I don't want to get the names wrong, so let me get this right. You remember with Felix, Felix was basically saying, um, Felix was looking for a bribe. We see this in verse 26 of chapter 24. Um, so he says, at the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. So now we see verse 27. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. So Fest Festus has taken over for Felix. Um, and Paul, because he doesn't feel like he's really making headway with Festus, we'll see in chapter 25, um, that Paul's accusers want him to be sent back to Jerusalem because remember he's in Caesarea now but Paul he's gonna dispute this and he says no I want to be heard by the Emperor himself so that's where King Agrippa is gonna come into play and by doing that it's it's showing the conviction that he has um, in, in what he's saying and you have to realize what he's saying, it seems extremely radical. He's saying that a man who, who really had no reason to be uh, crucified, um, not only was he still crucified, but he actually rose from the dead, um, which then offers uh, forgiveness to all who believe in, in his deity and who he is. He stood so firm on that that when people kept trying to oppose it, um, he he continued to um, basically speak on his own behalf. So, during the course of these events, we see that Festus actually consults with King Agrippa, who ruled the district of Galilee. Um, my Bible has a little insert called "People in Bible Times," and the note for that says that he was also the great-grandson of Herod, who had been king when Jesus was born. So we see that there's quite a bit of time that has elapsed between the time of Jesus and now. Um, so when Festus is consulting King Agrippa, the verse that really stood out to us was verse 19. Well, well, we'll back it up at 18 here for some context. When his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Here's the verse we wanted to highlight is verse 19. Instead, they had some own points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus, who Paul claimed was alive. So the real, the real issue is at, that's at stake here is not the fact that Paul believed in the teachings of Jesus, but that Paul believed in the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. If he had just um, said that he believed in the teachings of Jesus, none of this would have happened, right? If he, he would have been able to follow the teachings of Jesus and and his life would have been just mundane, to be honest with you. But he's, he's taking that step further. He says, I know Jesus rose from the dead. I believe it. I saw it. Um, and it changed my life. That's what he's saying. Because he's saying that with such confidence and was such... Was Paul actually a part of the group during the resurrection, though? I thought he had heard about the story later on. Jesus came to him and said, why are you persecuting me? 
This is after Jesus had already died. Mm-hmm. But so, just the way you phrased it made it seem like he was actually there at the resurrection. So I wanted no. to clarify that these events are taking place years afterwards. Yeah. But the fact is, he, what he's saying is, he still holds to that truth and that conviction. Um, so this has nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus. It has a whole lot to do with the the truth that Jesus uh, resurrected and came back after death. Um, um, to even even speak with Paul. So that that's what all this is hinging on. The fact that they um, culturally are saying this this could not be possible. And he's standing there saying, well, it is because I saw it, I've experienced it, and, and I'm going to continue to share it because it's that big of a change in his life. So, um, what really stands out to us as something to be applicable to our lives in the 21st century is the conviction that Paul had that Jesus had rose from the dead about his resurrection. Um because, like he was saying, it's all well and good. Like the Jews probably would not have object- have objected to Paul following the teachings of Jesus, but it's that belief in the resurrection that they were really like, okay, this is not okay with us. Um, and I think we live in a time where we have a lot of different voices, right? We have a lot of different opinions, a lot of different people trying to tell us how to live our lives. Or what it's okay to believe or what's not okay. Um, well, and I feel like it's it's very popular to believe in God. Or the concept of a higher power. Believing in Jesus is not always as popular. But there are, there are people who... They equate the Bible to just either an ancient text. Or that it has about the validity as, let's say, perhaps Grimm's fairy tales does. Just a story from a different time in a different place. But the truth of the fact is, uh, there's way more to the Bible than what, like, like we're saying, um, than what people really want to believe. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, And by following Jesus, um, again, the reason why it's okay. Or, or in many ways, it's okay to believe in God. Uh, one, that's that's a very blanket statement, right? When you're like, oh, I believe in God, like, there's, there's, it's just a blanket statement in most cases, right? Especially here in America, when people say that, I always try to ask a few other questions just to kind of gauge what that means to them, because it really could mean anything. Um, but when you say I follow Jesus or I believe in Jesus, what that means uh, when people hear that, a lot of times it's, you know, there's uh, a separation of like, okay, because I believe in Jesus, there are certain guidelines and rules to my life that I'm choosing to follow above accepting everyone else uh, or everything else that might be told to me. One quick thing that I feel like we neglected to mention about this chapter is that the reason that the Jewish leaders wanted Paul to be transferred back to Jerusalem for trial was that they had planned to ambush and kill him on the way. And I don't feel like we touched on that. So we have yet another plot on Paul's life. This is one of 
Like, it's really not a surprise anymore. At at this point, (laughs) it's happening so often. Um, But, yeah, like... There's a pattern of, like, beatings, accusations, prison, threats upon his life. We're not really to the shipwreck shipwreck part yet. Ooh, that's a tongue twister. Yeah. So, like I said, I just, you know, just that, that belief in who Jesus is... It, it gets it gets heavy because of the fact that when people hear it, they know or they assume there's a specific lifestyle that you're going to, to follow, specific rules that you're going to follow um, because of that. Whereas if you just say, I believe in God or I believe in a higher power, that really becomes, I can do what I want and just say that it equates to this higher power. Well, and also for us, the Bible is the guideline for which we live our lives. Um, but having the Ten Commandments and having these other laws, it's not exclusively just a biblical thing. Like there were other, there were other cultures in the ancient world that had their own laws. Like you look at um, the Babylonian culture with the laws of Hammurabi. Um, so. It's not like, oh, okay, here's the only way to live your life. But as Christians, this is the book that we are choosing to follow to tell us, okay, this is how we should act. This is how we should, um, I don't know another way to say it, except for, like, it's the thing that that helps us throughout our day as far as when we're making decisions about how to treat other people, um, it mandates the way that we live. And it, we, it does that because we make that choice to go, okay, we understand the importance of this scripture and the importance of Jesus, and we give the authority to the Bible and to uh, Jesus, and we, that's what we choose to follow. But I think um, it's important to also have a respectful dialogue with people who might choose to live in a different way. Yeah, and and and, and I think, like I said, when we when we claim and we say we are Jesus followers, a lot of people have that preconceived notion that oh, you're going to be judgmental. You're not going to like me because I believe differently than you do, or you're going to treat me differently. And that's just not the case. Um, unfortunately, there have been uh, believers and Christian and, um, and Christians who mistreated this privilege to 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 interact with people of different faith, of different lifestyles, and they did um, mistreat people. They did show hatred toward people. So it really gives the rest of uh, the people of faith a bad name but that's why I mean that's why we look at scripture because when you look at the examples in the world that we live in or the society that we live in it does seem very bleak it does seem very um, you know like like Christians are just judgmental or hateful uh, but the truth of the fact is um, when you look at scripture and you see the examples in there and you and, and you again connect with God about the, what's going on 
you see uh, how we're supposed to act and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to treat people. So, um, to be honest with you, that that's that's always been my conviction, right? Well, and Anthony can tell you, if you've listened to our podcast for a while, you know that I'm a big fan of Mr. Rogers, and one of the main reasons that I really, like, just love him so much and just everything he was able to do was that he was able to show people through his actions, he was able to live out his faith, even though the fact that, like, he never mentions God or Jesus on his television program. Yeah, he, and... There's been multiple people, uh, including his wife and family members, who basically said the person you saw on TV is the person that he was in real life. If he seemed happy to see people on TV, he was happy to see people in real life. Um, he just seemed to truly enjoy their company, and that's important. Um, so, and, and we try to live with the same authenticity of, hey, who you hear on the podcast or what you may see on the website that all comes from the same source of who we actually are. Um, We're not trying to make statements that we don't believe in. Well, and I feel like our Christian faith, one of the tenets of it that just helps me when I'm having a bad day is to know that we're not supposed to be perfect. That Jesus is supposed to be the only perfect one because there's so much especially now in this modern in this modern world there is this weight of perfectionism like i have to be the best um so that is something that is comforting (laughs) to me sorry our kitten um she keeps trying to eat the phone charger so we're having to having to um find another way to occupy her energy right now anyway um but yeah, I feel like Paul sees this, that he knows that he could never be perfect like Jesus, but right now what he's just trying to do is to appeal to the justice system of his day because he's going to say, like, okay, as a Roman citizen, I've had these trials. I want to speak to the emperor. And, and I love that because, one, it shows that, yes, he's allowed, as a Christian, you know, again, people come up with, with really strange um, assumptions about Christians uh, but yeah we are allowed to uh, you know be involved in um, the court system we are allowed to take things to a court system um, we are allowed to follow those channels to to make sure that you know justice is served right like um, and, and I bring that up because I just I feel like a lot of people, uh, a lot of times, we have um, very, very confused ideas of what a Christian is able to do or is not able to do. And the truth is, in many cases, it could be a personal conviction. Paul knew he needed to bring this to the, you know, the highest authority that he could get in front of for this appeal. To get people to realize who Jesus was. So in chapter 26, looking ahead a little bit, we see Paul before Agrippa. Um, it's kind of toward the end of chapter 25. So he's going to have, um, Paul again is going to have a chance to speak on his defense, which is 
has been a common theme in the past few chapters. We sort of start the chapter off with Paul saying, okay, you like you had your chance to say your piece about me. Now I'm coming to my own defense. So that's what we're going to see next week in chapter 26 is King Agrippa says, okay, now I want to hear from you. And, and like I said, that's something we are able to do. We are able to come to our own defense uh, on that. Um, and I, I love looking into this from a, a realistic point of view because the fact that we are, you know, we live in a world where things get taken to court and things need to be defended. Um, that may happen in our life as a Christian. It may not. Uh, with everything going on right now, it, it's really up in the air what could happen. But um, the truth is, I love reading it in, the, in that context because it allows me to know um, what... It allows me to know, you know, that I am um, able to have a, a, a court appeal in cases that are against me, right? Like... Not that I expect any to happen, but it is it is possible. So that's kind of what we're looking into. Um, well, and Paul right now, like he is personally on trial, but I feel like we could also argue that Christianity, like this tenant of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, is also in a way on trial. And I think that's why he was so adamant about taking it to as many courts as possible because he's not just defending himself he's defending the early church he's defending the spreading of, of of his faith his belief system and without that like the world would not look the same as it does now America um, initially was supposed to be built on Christian values um, meaning the you know forefathers had uh, they were believers. Now, whether their actions uh, reflected Jesus' actions or Jesus' teachings, that's a different discussion in itself. But they intended on us being a Christian nation. Uh, and that's because of the spread of the gospel and Paul defending the gospel. I don't think he's just defending himself. I think he's defending the gospel. So... That's why this these chapters are so important because he is defending something way bigger than just himself or his own uh, personal gain. This has more to do with defending the faith. Um, yeah. Was there any other comments or anything else we need to look into? I feel like... Uh, well, let's let's take a look here. Okay, so we see he's gone before Festus. And then King Agrippa comes. So Festus basically lets Paul know, okay, you've appealed to Caesar. That's where you're going to go. Like, you're going to go and be able to talk to the emperor about this. So we see King Agrippa, like, he comes... And he and Festus have this conversation. And now we see Paul is going to be before Agrippa. So we have, in verse 23, Agrippa's there, Bernice is there. 
they come in, they have these high-ranking military officers, the prominent men of the city are there. Um, and so basically in chapter 26, um, probably when we cover 26, I will elaborate a little more about chapter 25 verse 23 to the end of the chapter just to give us that background contents as we're because we're kind of jumping in right into the middle of the action here with chapter 26 so i guess the main points to be gleaned from this is that caesar has a or caesar paul has appealed to caesar and king agrippa wants to hear paul's side of the story so that's stay tuned for next week and we'll be able to hear paul talking to king agrippa Sounds great. Um, so as we go ahead and end this chapter, uh, this chapter, um, this podcast or this episode, I do want to remind you we would we would love to hear back from you guys. Whether it has to do with our bonus material, whether it has to do with our episodes, um, you can always uh, email us at beautifulfeetentertainment.com. You can get us on. Um, Instagram or Twitter at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. We would love to hear your feedback. Uh, oh, also, uh, you can let them know what we'd like to cover next because we just have a few more weeks left. Yeah, so. so because we have, they can still hear you. Oh. Because they have a few more weeks of uh, the Book of Acts, give us some ideas. Like, what do you guys want to hear about next? What is your next uh, Bible um, book that you want to read that you're looking into? Throw some ideas at us, so that way we can we can kind of pick uh, what we feel uh, it would be best. Um, but other than that, I'm gonna go ahead and pray, and then we're gonna go ahead and close from there. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for for Jesus. We thank you for the death uh, that He offered on the cross, and the fact that He did rise from the grave. Uh, giving us ultimate hope in a new life, in a new way of living. So I just pray, God, for anyone who's listening who may be struggling with this concept. I pray that we would just be able to walk in your truth and in your your grace and really be great representations of the gospel um, so that we could spread the gospel further uh, with our words, with our actions, and just with our personalities. I pray for um, our country as we're dealing with so much between um, the, the you know COVID still going on, but also with um, the protests and 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 the, the I pray that those protests would remain peaceful and that change would begin to uh, show and grow in that way. I pray God that you would continue to uh, work through these uh, different churches, different ministries to reach out to people. Uh, as churches are starting to open up their doors again. And we just pray, God, that you will just continue to bless us so that we can bless the community around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, you guys. And we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, and stay tuned for the next couple weeks. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.